0: Oh, are you Muslim? But like, say, alhamdulillah. So does that mean you're Islamic? You must memorize the Quran. Wait, so you don't drink? Make sure you wake up for Fajr. What do you bajar. mean you're fasting? Are you going to marry your cunt. cousin? Don't say that that's how Not even water? Tighten your hijab. What Have you, bread. Bread. you you do you sure not What happens if he you? sees your ankle? <laughs> uh, it's kind of like we're stuck between two worlds. Welcome, my friends, to Muslim in the Middle. My name is Yaz, and this podcast is all about what it means to live an Islamic life in the West, the joys, the struggles, and everything in between. Now, it is a pleasure to have you join us today, so let's dive right in. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, and what's up guys, welcome to episode 2 of Muslim in the Middle, inshallah, you're all doing well. Um, I noticed that at the beginning of the first episode, my voice was kind of soft and a little bit creepy, I was talking like this, as alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, it sounded really creepy, so uh, I'm trying to sort of uh, vocalise myself a little bit better in this episode, so... Um, you know, let me know if you want to comment in the comments that, uh, it's better or worse, you know, just feel free to give me any feedback uh, whatsoever. So look, today's episode is a big one. Okay. So, uh, I want to talk about prayer, all right, About Salah. Um, now, like I said in the intro episode, um, I'm not preaching. Okay. Um, except that if you're not praying, you should be, <laughs> Okay, seriously though, all jokes aside, this episode will simply be about my experience with Salah, you know, why I refrained from it for so long, uh, what changed, how I approach it today, and uh, all the other factors involved around that. So, growing up, I must have tried to establish the daily habit of praying like 50 times. (laughs) I mean, I I learned the basics from my parents and family, friends, friends. that my parents had asked me to, to, you know, had asked to tutor me on Saturday mornings and stuff. Um, And subhanAllah, man, like, even though I never prayed consistently throughout my childhood, like never months or years on end, for whatever reason, um, I still managed to remember the basics, like the Fatiha, uh, Surah al-Ikhlas, you know, your recitation when you're in prostration and stuff, you know, all of that was still relatively intact. And so whenever I decided to pick up the habit again, um, you know, it was relatively easy to do, Alhamdulillah. So I guess that counted for something. Now, um, my parents were always encouraging me and my siblings to pray five times. And yet, even if I managed to get through the day, um, you know, two days or a week, eventually the habit just dropped off. I mean, for whatever reason, I just couldn't make it stick. I mean, as a kid, I'm obviously going to school every day, you know, 8.30 a.m. to 3 p.m. or whatever. And it's not an Islamic school, mind you, right? just in a regular Australian public school. So even while at school, there was never any time set aside for students to pray or anything. I mean, that's just not how it was done. So uh, the reason I mentioned that is because, obviously, there are private schools, right? There are Christian schools, for instance, where students need to attend mass every day. Um, But yeah, in my case, at my school, there wasn't anything like that. So by the time I got home, Um, I'm wrecked from school, right? And um, I'm a lazy kid. (laughs) As I've explained previously, I was only praying because my parents were on my case about it. Not because I truly wanted to, you know, there wasn't any intrinsic motivation to do so. Um, But because of that, and when I got home from school, the last thing that I wanted to do was go perform my wudu, get my clothes all wet in the process, and pray, you know, the hor and maybe asar, depending on what time it was and and all that. Um, But I did try, You know, I mean, from the time I was a little kid, I'm not really sure what age, to be honest, but until the time I was like 25, like I said, I tried a bunch of times to make that habit stick. But yeah, for whatever reason, I just, I never could. Um, And it's funny because, you know, when I think about Islam and I think about my daily practices as a Muslim, the first thing that comes to mind is Salah, is prayer. Uh, And I'm not sure why. I think it's perhaps because it's the I don't know, it's the main activity that I witnessed my parents performing over and over again my entire life. So yeah, whenever I think of Islam, immediately I just picture somebody praying. Um, and because of that, I always, I mean, like I, <laughs> I always had like this this Muslim guilt, <laughs> you know, this Islamic guilt. I'm sure you guys know what I'm talking about. It's like this little voice in your head. It's buried really, really deep. Um, I mean, it's probably just Allah t- trying to tell us that, you know, you know, you do your best to ignore basically. And every now and then it just creeps in and tells you you're a bad Muslim because you don't pray. And so (laughs) that always stuck with me throughout my life. And I could be trying my best to do everything else, you know, fasting, Ramadan, um, giving the charity, uh, eating strictly halal, you know, at some points throughout my life, I even tried to stop listening to music. I tried to stop cursing. I tried to do everything I could with the knowledge that I had um, back then, which again was limited, but I tried to do everything I could except prayer. Um, and still that little voice, that that pesky <laughs> Muslim guilt, it, it haunted me, right? So, and you know, I have three siblings. So whenever they would go through similar periods of motivation and commitment to prayer and stuff, you know, being around that motivation and that positive energy, that would rub off on the rest of us. So it's it's like either all of us were praying or none of us were, really. I mean, that's kind of how it was in my house growing up. And I guess occasionally that motivation or, you know, that reminder, um, it it came from other sources um, aside from your own family or your own household. Like if if you're a super, you know, or if if you have a super religious uncle um, who was visiting and he grilled you, (laughs) and if you say, no, I haven't been praying, then you better strap in for a three-hour lecture featuring two guests and a Q&A at the end. (laughs) You guys know what I'm talking about. Um, or, you know, occasionally you go with your dad to the mosque, um, you know, maybe for like Eid twice twice a year, right? And so you pray there. But again, if you haven't prayed in months or even years prior to that, you know, you're rusty. And so maybe you forget massive chunks of your prayer and you don't even let your dad know, um, you know, because you just got to keep maintaining this confident facade by making sure your lips keep moving. <laughs> oh man, you just got to keep it a secret. But again, and when I was sort of, Even when I was going through a period where I was trying to pray consistently, sometimes on the weekend, you know, I'd be out the whole day with my friends or whatever, and I wouldn't get home until late, like way past when Isha had sounded. And so begrudgingly, I would pray all four of my remaining prayers, you know, because usually before leaving the house, I managed to pray Fajr, but that was about it. <laughs> so I'd pray the other four in the dead of the night consecutively one after the next. And when I finished, I'd be knackered, you know, I'd be absolutely smashed, but sure. I did feel better. Like I definitely felt better. Um, than if I was just like, ah, you know what, it's too late. You've missed all of them. You should start fresh tomorrow. Um, so at the very least I had that going for me, you know, but then it's like, anytime there's anything that comes up that would make it even slightly difficult or even just a little bit complicated to complete your prayer on time, you'd use that as an excuse not to. And when excuses like that start to stack up, that's basically when, you know, y- you found yourself giving up the habit, right? Um, but yeah, man, again, it's like one of those things where I attribute that that failure to consistently pray to a few different factors, um, not least of which is the fact that the rest of my life, like I said in previous episodes, it was just non Islamic, Right. Like surrounded by non-Muslims at a non-Islamic school, hanging out with non-Islamic um, friends and non-Muslims on the weekend and, and, and all that. And so there was no reminder or persuasion for me to keep on top of my prayers until I got home. And so it's so weird, man. I mean, like I I, I would feel it, you know, like I would genuinely feel myself pushing the thought of Masalah deep down within me when I'm out of the house, hanging out with my friends or whatever, I'm not just doing my best, trying to ignore the thought of it. And then as soon as I come home, as soon as I step over the threshold of my house, it hits me like a train, like this overwhelming sensation, like this series of thoughts, like you haven't prayed all day, you've missed all the windows. <laughs> you know um, And every now and then I'd get an earful from my parents Like have you prayed the Dahod, have you prayed Asad, have you prayed maghrib? And you know it's it's, it's Like I said in an earlier episode if, if if you were anything like me as a kid Your perception of Islam Was warped I mean you know you looked at it and at your Responsibilities and your obligations as a burden Rather than an asset and I think that's the best way how I can Describe how I felt about my deen as a child You know like, it was just another thing to worry about and not in a good way. Like, it's like your parents remind you to pray and you're just like, ugh, far out. Okay, I get it, you know. Or your parents remind you that Ramadan is coming up and they're looking forward to it um, because it's a blessed month. But again, you hear that and you're just like, ugh, already? We just finished last year's one, man. <laughs> so it's it's, yeah, it's just, it's a matter of how you perceived it, you know. And so that perception towards, you know, not only Salah, but the entire religion of Islam, it continued, right? It continued throughout high school, um, uni, uh, uh, for anybody listening, uni, that's college for any Americans or Canadians listening or whatever. Um, And even a little bit after uni, like, unfortunately, Islam was nothing more than this burden that you felt guilty for not giving more time and attention to, but that ultimately you just wanted to ignore and live your life, right? It was... I'm quite ashamed of it now, honestly. I mean, honestly, like up until the age of 25 or so, what did I do? I basically just fasted Ramadan. I didn't drink or eat any, you know, pig products. And yet I still considered myself a Muslim. Maybe not a very good one, but sure. I mean, if somebody asked me what religion I followed, I'd be like, yeah, I'm a Muslim. And yes, every now and then, you know, I would try to reestablish the habit of praying, but I wouldn't get very far once I realized that it often made my lifestyle, you know, quote unquote, inconvenient um, in a lot of ways. Um, (laughs) anyway, what what I mean is that it could be as something as simple as say, you know, going out to dinner or to a party, um, the event or whatever it is, it starts at 5.30, right? And maybe it takes an hour to get there, but Maghrib is at five. So I can't possibly wait half an hour, pray Maghrib and then leave the house before, you know, and rock up to the party at 6 p.m. That's just not possible, (laughs) right? Um, I mean, that's just an example, you know, but I'm sure you guys know what I'm talking about. It's just like when it, it impedes on your life in, in ways that, you know, you didn't expect or that you don't want or that you can't handle. Um, you just sort of, you, you, you brush it under the rug basically. And, um, yeah. Okay. So throughout my late teens and my early twenties, uh, like I said, I guess you could say I was almost, you know, I was almost going out of my way not to pray. Right. Like, uh, like during that period, um, I had some pretty, intense struggles with mental health, I mean, I was a little bit lost and I was struggling to find meaning and purpose in my life. And, um, that ultimately it led me to some pretty serious bouts of depression and anxiety. And so to combat those struggles, I tried a bunch of different forms of treatment. I mean, I'm gonna try them all and nothing was working. I went to therapy, you know, with a bunch of different psychologists that didn't work. I tried medication, um, like antidepressants, um, and that sort of thing that didn't work. I stumbled across the, uh, the philosophy of minimalism, which is like an age old idea. And it's a, a concept in itself that's been practiced since the beginning of time, but I only discovered it because these two guys started a blog. They call themselves the minimalists. And I, I threw my time and energy into, into, into following that blog, <laughs> thinking that I'd found the answer to my mental health issues. Um, but again, that didn't do much for me long-term um, and get this. I even moved to an eco village for a couple of months where I lived out of a tent with a bunch of hippies and did nothing but meditate, practice mindfulness, and do yoga every day. (laughs) And that didn't work either. I mean, it was kind of awesome, but that's a story for a different episode. Um, I will say here, though, that things like meditation, mindfulness, minimalism, these are all concepts that are very inherent within the religion of Islam. Anyway, you know, like regardless, like, but for whatever reason, I just didn't want to put a religious label on them. So I tried to be all like new age with it. You know what I mean? Um, anyway, so my point is, is that I was at a low point and nothing was helping me. You know, I even dropped out of master's degree that i would worked really hard to get into because, well, two reasons. One, I was bored of the industry that I was in and I realized I didn't want to do it anymore. Um, and two, I was suffering because, you know, from probably my, my worst, uh, depressive episode yet um, now before we dive any deeper let me just say two things the first being that if you are suffering from mental health issues or more specifically if you're struggling from you know with, with things like depression and anxiety your first port of call should be to, to talk about it right I mean perhaps with a loved one but ultimately you should seek professional advice um, it may not have worked for me but I know that for many people you know who they've found some great benefit um, from that so please reach out to a professional um, I just want to say that and second of all I imagine at this point, it's pretty clear that I'm going to talk about the fact that Islam was my, my guiding light. <laughs> um, alhamdulillah. But uh, remember, it's just me <clears throat> recounting, recounting my experience. Um, but if you feel like you're being lectured, then, you know, feel free to tune out now. I, I, I don't really care. <laughs> um, okay. So let's get back to it. So like I said, I'm at a low point and I'm a little bit lost. Okay. Now I mentioned this in a previous episode, um, I think, but at, At one, at this stage, one of my brothers had turned to Islam and Alhamdulillah, he'd found solace and contentment in his life. Um, And basically he was, he was kind of like a third parent to me. He was always pushing for me to do the same thing, right? And for a long time, I was just rejecting it. I mean, come on, like I just said, like, I'm sure you guys can agree that when uh, somebody's preaching to you and you're just not in the right headspace to hear it, it's just not helpful at all. I mean, it almost, it almost pushes you further away from your deen, right? And, uh... And so, yeah, and, but but eventually, man, I mean, I honestly just reached, I think I just reached a point where I was out of options. Like I had no clue where to turn or what to do. And I was feeling pretty helpless. And one day my brother sends me, um, he sends me this video. And you've probably heard me talk about this before, but it's this video of a, um, a panel discussion or a talk by um, Newman Ali Khan or NAK, uh, as I like to call him. If you guys don't know who that is, he's this Islamic scholar, I guess. I'm not sure that's the right term, but he approaches Islam in a very lovely and positive way and, and certainly very encouraging to a younger audience, to younger ears. So my brother sends me this clip and he's like, just watch it. I'm like, man, will you just give it up already? I don't want to deal with this right now. Okay. Just, you know, I'm just saying like all the worst possible things. And he's just like, no, he's just, he's just like, watch it. And if you don't feel better by the end of it, I'll stop. All right. Just watch it. So I watch it. Now, as much as I don't want to be one of those, you know, I don't want this to be one, sort of one of those corny moments where I say that, um, and that was the moment my life changed forever. That kind of was the moment where my life changed forever. <laughs> um, but seriously, there was nothing nothing like inherently amazing about that clip or anything. But what it did do for me, it was give me a little bit of hope. Hope that I desperately needed it at that point. All right, so among other things, uh, NAC, he talked about how... Um, Despite what most people believe, Islam is actually a very easy religion to follow. That it's designed to bring positivity, hope, and love to our lives and ultimately make our lives easier. Okay, But as Muslims, we tend to overcomplicate the religion itself. We tend to overcomplicate the religion and the lifestyle, and we make it harder than it needs to be. And so if you're anything like me, at, you know, at that point, when your perception of Islam is a perception of burden and difficulty and, and buzzkill or whatever that's a nice message to hear, right? I mean, it restores a little bit of faith um, and a little bit of light to, uh, to my heart, which at that point, you know, I hadn't felt in a, long, in a long time given how depressed I was. So shortly thereafter, that eventually sparked like a small degree of motivation to start praying again. Now, this is what I'm talking about when I'm saying that it wasn't some magical moment where I started praying and never stopped since. Um, in fact, I think I remember thinking to myself, okay, great, you know, you're praying again. But how long do you think it's going to be until, you you know, until you give this up again? <laughs> I, was, I was literally almost like trolling myself because that's how little confidence I had. Uh, I certainly wasn't confident enough to know that this would be the time where I would finally make a permanent habit out of it. Out of it. Um, but the funny thing is, is that I did. I haven't stopped praying since that day. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've missed plenty of prayer windows. <laughs> In fact, I'm willing to bet that the first two or three years was composed primarily of, of prayers outside the correct time windows but I never stopped altogether. Um, And at this point, you may be wondering, you know, how or why. And I think it's just because I needed it, man. Like I I said, I was searching for something. I was starving for some sense of larger meaning. And, you know, my brother basically said something like, you want to know why we're here? You want to know the meaning of life? And I said, sure. (laughs) He goes to worship Allah. We were literally put on this earth as a test to worship and glorify our creator. That's it. That's the meaning of life. That's why we're here. Now, I'm going to pause for a second here because I imagine for everybody listening right now, some of you are very religious, okay? And you may be listening to this thinking and and nodding along because you agree, right? And that's awesome. Um, While there are others who are Muslims, perhaps more by name and by culture alone. And so maybe you're about ready to turn this off. (laughs) But before you do, I want to say this. It might seem a little bit strange to think that we're only put on this earth because of that, right? That it's all a test. That doesn't sound very positive. It sounds hard, right? Like we're not supposed to have fun in life. And look, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes it, you know, I feel that way too, okay? But when I'm having a bad day and my imam is shaky at best, I have similar thoughts running through my head, right? But but more often than not, I try to look at it like this. There's actually a sense of clarity and freedom in that reason, you know, When he said that, I was just reminded that Allah doesn't care how much money you make. Allah doesn't care how big your house is or how many cars you have. Allah doesn't care how, you know, quote-unquote successful you are. Allah only cares about your deen, how much you nurture your relationship with him, and how much intention and effort you put towards being the best Muslim that you can be. That's it, right? And it's that thought which fueled my motivation to keep me praying for the next few months and then beyond that, it just becomes like a proper habit, right? It becomes part of your life, just another part of your routine. And so at that point, it's much easier to maintain the habit moving forward. <clears throat> so, yeah, man, I mean, that's that's pretty much it. That's the story of how I finally started praying, you know, long-term. And um, inshallah, you know, the habit sticks by now. <laughs> I mean, I could never imagine living my life without salah now. Like I'd feel empty as hell, Um and look, I, anyway, I want to do a whole other episode on how I learned to improve my Salah from that day onwards. You know, the challenges I faced, how I've learned to overcome those challenges, um, and all that sort of stuff, because I really think that that, that will be really helpful for the listeners. Um, you know, I'm sure many of you haven't started praying because in your mind, you feel like there's too many obstacles that would prevent you from praying every day, right? Five times a day during the correct windows and all that. Um, and yes, there's no doubt whatsoever that there are obstacles, particularly in a Western country like Australia. Where, you know, like if you work in an office or you're studying full-time at uni, how do you find the time and, you know, also an actual space to pray? Um, how do you learn new verses of the Quran to recite during prayer, especially if you can't read, write, or speak Arabic like me? Um, how do you stay present and focused during your prayer? Things like that. So, so yeah. So, stay tuned for an episode about all that sort of stuff. But others, sister's Uh, Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Muslim in the Middle. Before we wrap up here, a few quick reminders. Um, The first, info at musliminthemiddle.com. Please send through all your stories, your experiences, anything that you want to share that you think other Western Muslims can relate to or benefit from. Remember, we want to build community here, so feel free. Uh, You can tell us your name or you can keep it anonymous. It's completely up to you um and second if you're enjoying the show so far you know if you're liking the content and you want to see more please let me know with a five-star rating and review on apple podcasts Uh, help us get on the new and noteworthy list so that more people can you know find the show and ultimately find some some value and benefit from it and uh and third uh, hit the subscribe button on spotify and uh, apple podcasts so you never miss another episode and uh, visit the website, musliminthemiddle.com. You can describe, uh, subscribe to the monthly newsletter there as well. Oh, sorry. And one other thing. This is the last plug, I promise. I think I did this in the last episode as well. <laughs> My bad. Um, there's a donation link on the website, right? I'm, I'm trying to build a community of people who pledge minimum, just, just $1 a month. I mean, I talked about this briefly in the intro episode. But do you imagine like 1,000 people or 5,000 listeners or 10,000 listeners of each episode you know, donating just $1 a month, right? 10, ten grand, that's 10 grand. If 10,000 listeners at $1 a month, that's 10 grand a, a month, $120,000 a year in charity. Subhanallah, man, that could do a lot of good. Um, if you're already donating your money elsewhere, I understand a Vikum, like like that that's no worries. Uh, but if you want to sort of contribute and, and be part of a community here that I'm trying to build, um, then feel free, head over to the website, musliminthemiddle.com and, um, and hit the donate link there. Um, I'll set it up so that it takes you directly to a, um, a GoFundMe page linked to a different uh, Islamic charity every month. Okay, so guys, it's been an absolute pleasure. I will see you all in episode three. Um, until then, Allah ma'akum, all the best. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And see ya mate.